0: From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. The college football playoff expansion is going to be sooner rather than later, thanks to the Rose Bowl finally getting on board. we got an ACC Coach of the Year announced, and the ACC Big Ten Challenge is no more. ACC wins the thing for the last time but there's more questions about where Carolina is going than anything else related to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Let's log on to the Internet, shall we? What's training is brought to you by GEICO. you got a choice of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online to geico.com or stop by the GEICO office nearest you. Let's get it. I got 5 on it.
1: All right, what'd you got? Germany. Germany won today in the World Cup. Spain lost today in the World Cup, but Germany's going home and Spain's going through because goal differential, Joe. Oh, I
0: thought cuz the committee Sneaky. looked at their strength of schedule.
1: Sneaky goal differential. Yeah, Spain loses 2 to 1 to Japan. Germany beats the the Croats 4 to Oh, they, excuse me, Costa Rica 4 to 2. But the Germans for the second straight World Cup. Are going home.
0: Is that how the college football playoffs should operate, based on Goal touchdown, difference? Oh. touchdown
1: differential? Trust me, man. I would love some point differential.
0: <laughs> that
1: was... You know, that's how I pick my Super Bowl team. I... look at
0: look at who's got the best point differential. That's usually the best teams. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, despite the fact that uh, I thought that group stage play ended after no. the U.S. beat Iran. No, it did not. <laughs> it did not. It, it continues on. But the U.S. is playing on Saturday against the Netherlands. And there's been a lot of fascination with Christian P- P- Pulis- Pulisic. I don't know why I trip over that over his last name all the time. Regardless, <laughs> so uh, Christian Pulisic met with the media, and there's been a lot of fascination with his balls. I really don't know how else to put it. He scores the goal, he gets hit, he goes off to the hospital. People were convinced he got hit in the balls. It's relatable. It's painful. But is it that really relatable to score a game-winning goal in the? world cup joke you know Giulio, when you get hit there everything that you do after is heroic feels like it. okay everything you do after that feels sure. heroic oh did you complete unloading the dishwasher after your toddler son accidentally hits you in the crotch you know what god bless america i'm proud to be an american so here's Polisic on what exactly happened this might be too much information but like Can you tell us what exactly like you were feeling when you woke up the next morning after the game, for example? And what exactly a pelvic contusion is? Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a a pelvic contusion, you know. Um, It's not a euphemism, Henry. It's what it sounds like. No, but at the same time, it's not like. I didn't get, like, hit in the balls, but, like, it was was, like, I'm all right, I'm all right. It was very painful, and it it just, you know, that bone is there for a reason to protect you, I think, and I I hit it well, and uh, it was sore, but, uh, like I said, I'm getting better.
0: This might be too much. (laughs) So there you go. We now have it official. Uh, He was not, Pulisic was not hit in the groin. It was the pelvic bone, which protects you. Who needs a cup, right? When you got your pelvic bone. No, not really. You still need a cup. I'm I'm kidding. Flinching. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. As everybody's talking about it, as I've mentioned it, I'm sure I got many people in their cars going, "Obvious, stop it because you're just making me remember the time that that happened to me. Even the slightest. You don't even have a dog. And even the slightest tap. Oh, I mean, I have friends who have dogs, and yeah, I know what that's about. Oh, well, you know what? You're acting like cats don't do the same thing. You know, there have been many instances where I'm just sitting on the couch, minding my business, watching TV, and one of the cast just decides, I'm going to jump on the couch, and oh, you're there, boop, right on top of it. That's not comfortable. No. That's not comfortable. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. ACC Coach of the Year has been announced, and shocker, Duke head coach Mike Elko. What happened? What's going on here? Why, what's up with the audio? I'm here like chopped and screwed. What's going on, man? My chick bad. My chick good. <laughs> Still tipping on four 4s <laughs> Trapped in four votes. Anyway, we'll get that audio as you figure it out. Regardless, sorry, I got a little little distracted there. Get that scissor. So Mike Elko has been voted the ACC Coach of the Year. Not surprised. I mean, when when you when you take Duke from. Just 1 in 18 in the last 2 years Duke, in the league. As much as David Cutcliffe met to Duke's revitalization of the football program, it was in a bad place the last 2 seasons. So to revitalize it the way that he did and damn near win almost 9 games in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, Mike Elko was going to be the coach of the year. The only way it wasn't going to be coach of the year is if Carolina under Mac Brown ran the whole ACC table, okay? But that didn't happen. Obviously, they lose to Georgia Tech, they lose to NC State to close out the season. Not to say that winning the Coastal isn't an event in and of itself, but things start to get different and look different when some losses pile up. And where Duke was and where they are under Mike Elko, yeah, Chilio, it made the most amount of sense. Five and three this year in the league. They, he, did the, he did the thing, man, first year. <laughs> Mike Norvell, Florida State, ended up getting 18 of those first place votes. Brent Key, who was the interim coach, elevated to full time status. He got one first place vote. Mac Brown also got a first place vote, and Dabo got a first place vote. You know what? If you wanted to vote Mac for ACC Coach of the Year because they won the Coastal, okay. Dabo lost. You can't lose. You can't lose South Carolina. Can't sorry That doesn't have anything to do with the ACC. don't care CC I don't ca- you know it does it does have something to do with the ACC you know why because it makes the ACC look bad okay that's fair we're sitting here talking about the ACC being taken seriously as a football conference and you lose South Carolina with Frank with Frank S- Beamer wearing a South Carolina hat in attendance
1: South Carolina also beat Tennessee beat the brakes off Tennessee so I'm
0: sorry seeing Frank seeing Frank Beamer in a game Cox hat like that's the official call it Time of death for the ACC. Next up.
1: The AccuWeather forecast for Foxborough, Massachusetts tonight, Joe. 43 degrees. I don't see anything that says 40-degree mile-per-hour winds because we're getting the rematch of that game. It's the Bills and Patriots tonight. At New England Remember this is the game Last year Where the pay, the Bills lost Because they attempted Too many passes And the win was crazy And they fumbled And Sean McDermott Had to be like Yeah guys Listen Bill Belichick Great coach But can we not Do that right now Can we not Like notice That we actually Outplayed them Yeah, And won, and you know They won the game But let's not Overdo this thing <laughs> I hope we get Another one of those Tonight I hope we get Another 40 You know Rushing attempts And one passing attempt No Von Miller for the uh, Bills, by the way. They put him on IR, so he's going to miss the next four weeks at least.
0: Is Bill Belichick that much of a troll to do that again? Is he? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 he absolutely is. He absolutely is. I would love to see that. Next up. Number two. So the college football playoff is set to expand, but it's going to expand sooner rather than later. The holdup was the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl did not want to participate in this. They've got their contracts. But a couple things have happened in the last 48 hours that – essentially let the Rose Bowl know you ain't as hot as you used to be. There was a report that Ohio State informed the Rose Bowl, take Penn State, not us. Damn. That's telling. And then there must have been some sort of ultimatum from the College Football Playoff Committee that says, hey, if you don't sign off on this agreement that moves the start of the college football playoffs to the 2024 25 season, rather than making us wait till that 26 season, you might not be involved with the rotation of neutral site games when this thing finally gets going and we finalize that. That seemed to be the final nail in the coffin for the Rose Bowl to get this deal done. Pete Thamel was the first to report it last night, Julio, Rose Bowl is going to play ball. So next season will be a normal four-team college football playoff. But the following season, again, that 24-25 season, we will get 12 teams. Important format note, the top four conference champions will get buys. Keyword, conference champion meaning that notre dame which obviously has eyes on getting into the playoffs can never be higher than fifth a fifth seed in the college football playoff because they are not in a conference but they would get to host a a home game in in their round which is a feature of this college football playoff it's finally happening man we don't have to talk about it anymore are you happy i am yeah this this feels like progress to me some people don't view it as progress though yeah
1: well, you know, you have a year like this where you say, Well, there's, you know, potentially only two unbeaten teams by the end of this thing. Why not just go back to the old way and just have number one versus number two? And I get I get that sentiment. Uh, I don't buy the sentiment though that the p- expanded playoff is going to dilute the regular season. Mm. We already know that there are certain results in the regular season. Cough, cough. Anything with Alabama, cough, cough. As long as
0: Nick Tape is the curve. Doesn't
1: count. Yeah. Right? So in my opinion, when you now, there's two distinct points here. Number one, when you expand the playoff, you're expanding the interest in the sport. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean the Pac-12 has has had two teams make it to the playoff since the playoff was instituted in, in 2014. That's not enough. So you've had you're basically cutting the country in half and saying, well, we don't really care what happens from here on out. That's number one. Number two, so that's a good thing. You want to expand interest, all right? Number two, though, does that mean the number 12 team is going to run the – Gauntlet and turn into Cinderella and we're going to have December and January Madness? No. I actually think the number of teams who can actually win the national championship legitimately will probably remain the same. It'll probably be those same three and four teams every year. But we'll never know. But at least now you're giving more teams a shot. And I do like the format of rewarding those top four teams because mm-hmm. now you are getting an actual reward for winning your league. And that home game being in the in the first round... Playing that game on campus, that's gonna be a big difference that's for gonna teams be awesome. as well. Yeah. That's, so that's
0: gonna be awesome. These are all good things in my opinion. To the to the point about the twelfth team and whether or not they actually have a chance at winning the whole thing. I mean, are the chances high? No, not necessarily, but it is something that bothers me about college football, in that we have multiple lessons in assuming results or scenarios are going to play out the way that we've talked about all season, and then it not happening, right? I don't know why we keep doing this. We just convince ourselves, oh, man, that team would blow that team off the field, and then what do we come to find out? It's either a closer game or there's an upset. I mean, strange things happen. Yeah, You know, you like to point this out all the time. These are college football players, college football players, dealing with college things. You know, they they might listen to a Dennis Cox in their feelings playlist because their girl broke up with them the week up. I mean, you don't know. It can happen. It can happen, man. So I really do push back on this. Well, what's the point? They're all going to be blowouts. Let's see. Let's just see what happens. You're telling me. Especially those opening round games. Yeah, you're telling me that some of those opening round games won't have some wildness to them? That's the point. That's why we love the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament in basketball plays out this way all the time. We're fascinated by the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament because there are wild upsets. It happens every year. It's gotten so commonplace that it's almost like anti chalk these days to pick like 7-10s or those types of things, right? So... Let's see how this plays out. And you know, the first time a Group of Five team knocks off a Power Five team in these in that in, in an opening round, there's going to be a lot of I told you so's that take place. Now is that Group of Five team going to win the national championship? Probably not. But just like in the NCAA tournament, who usually ends up in the Final Four? The really good teams that we've been convinced most of the year are going to go. Outside of one outlier here and there, like you know, sh- <laughs> Loyola Chicago. Or shout-out to Butler and VCU. One other note about the college football playoff. I brought up Notre Dame. I've seen this opinion thrown out a couple different times, that this was a crafty move by conference commissioners to force (laughs) Notre Dame's hand into joining a conference. No. Notre Dame was part of the design of this college football playoff expansion. Jack Swarbrick, the AD, was in on making this plan. Notre Dame is absolutely cool with trading a first-round buy for a home game and the home gate that would come with playing in their football stadium. Okay? Straight right. up.
1: And unrelated, I would love for it to finally go to home site first round, home site second round, then play the final three games at neutral.
0: Oh, I'd love that too. Yeah, I would love that too. Next up.
1: The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number
0: one. ACC Big Ten Challenge is in the books. It's the last one thanks to television contracts. Fox is now the home of the Big Ten, meaning that ESPN is not interested in broadcasting something that benefits them, so it's off to their network partners, the ACC and the SEC, for next year's ACC-SEC Challenge. But this one's in the books. It went the conference's way. But really, what we seem to be talking about in the triangle is, what's up with the Tar Heels? We'll discuss next. (laughs) ACC Big Ten Challenge is in the books. Conference gets the win, but a lot of the questions are related to North Carolina and their loss last night to Indiana. At Wake Med MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. That's their third loss in a row. But Gilio, as with all things, it's easy to get caught up in the moment. It's easy to get a little, you know, a little hyperventilation about another Tar Heels basketball loss. But I think this one requires a little bit more context than some people want to give it. Uh, they're coming across the country after having played a four overtime game against Alabama Alabama is a good squad the teams that they've lost to are good squads here's Hubert Davis I understand what he's getting at here sometimes there's excuses and sometimes there's reasons and people will get caught up in the semantics of it and I think this is a good job of Hubert Davis saying look travel ain't the reason why they lost but it does factor into why some things kind of seem the way that they did.
1: We lost tonight because Indiana was better. Plain and simple, period, the end. Now, I do think um, it, it, it didn't factor into the outcome of the game, but it is a factor. I mean, we've been gone for over a week, we, five-and-a-half-hour trip out to Portland. Um, not only going out there, we had a 10 a.m. game. We had different practices, different games. Um to, to put ourselves in a position to compete tonight. We didn't go back to Chapel Hill, we, we flew right here. And our guys start exams on Friday, We got Friday, Saturday, and Monday. And so um, there's a lot going on. But the reason you know, why we lost tonight because it was Indiana was better than us. It had nothing to do with the travel and the things that um, that our guys, the responsibilities that they have on the court and in the
0: classroom. That was Siebert Davis, head coach, North Carolina, after last night's last night's loss to Indiana. Again, he's not saying travel is the excuse. They just weren't good enough. Indiana's a good team, too. But it does, again, add some context as to why Carolina might look the way they look. Or certainly in the case of Armando Baycott. Clearly in some pain with his ankle. Uh, suffered some sort of shoulder injury in that game last night. And if you want to look as to why your rebounding isn't what it used to be, well, Armando Baycott's not 100%. The other factor, Julio, is uh, how that offense is being run right now. And it's a lot of guys just trying to make plays on their own rather than what we saw last year where they really started to take off. And to me, it comes right down to Caleb Love. If Caleb Love is not going to go within the offense like we saw last year, then it's going to be more of this roller coaster ride that Tar Heel fans do not want to get on, man.
1: I look at this game, and and I'm – listen – I understand what Hubert Davis is doing. He doesn't want to make excuses. Uh, And Trace Jackson Davis was awesome for Indiana. I mean, that's a tough matchup for Armando Bacot when he's healthy. Clearly, he's not that healthy, but three games in four days in Portland. Then you come back, turn around, go on the road, play this game. That's, That's a tough situation. Duke lost in the same situation. Michigan State, last year Duke did when they had to go on the road in the Big Ten Challenge. Michigan State this year, go to Notre Dame, they lose. Ohio State. Go out to Portland. Come to Duke. They lose. Mm-hmm. So, listen. I, I, I do think there is something to that. To your point, there is also something to the way that Carolina is playing. They've been playing. Great. They're not scoring enough. And par- the biggest part of that is ball movement. Twenty baskets last night. Five assists. But that's not good enough. Okay. And you look at the loss to uh, Iowa State. They also scored sixty-five points in that game. That's not enough. You got to score more. You got to do more. And part of that is trying to figure out. You know, now you get Puff Johnson back. That's good. But what do they have in Seth Trimble? What do they have in Tyler Nickel? What do they have in DeMarco Dunn, mm-hmm. who, who got significant minutes last night, which is good. You want to see if he can develop this bench, develop a little bit of rotation. Because it's one thing to try to run the gauntlet, which they did last year with five guys.
0: It's another to try to do it over a whole season. And I don't think that's smart. And that, and that's the part that I don't feel that we've done a good enough job having an honest conversation about. You and I have at least tried to dabble in that conversation. Ask the question. And, and often at times what happens is that people are just trying to, oh, you're trying to diminish what they did last year. I'm like, N- no, no, no. There's no diminishing about what they did last year. What they did last year was amazing. And sometimes I feel like we don't, appreciate what it took for them to do it and the conditions to replicate such things is not as easy as, well, you ended the year that year that, that way. Right. Clearly this is a carryover effect. You guys will just keep it figured out. I'm like, well, remember how they did it. They did it with the whole Iron 5 concept. You can't do that now. You can't.
1: Not the whole season, not no. early on especially. And listen, you're bringing guys into the program. Seth Trimble, I'll say it again. If Caleb Love had gone pro, Seth Trimble would be starting right now. I major minutes. So you ha- he played nine last night. You have to start figuring out what do you have in these guys. How can they help? You know, I admire Hubert Davis that he has done things his way, mm-hmm. hasn't done them Roy Williams' way. But one of Roy's real strengths was he would play guys early. And so when the season progressed, it wasn't the first time. You saw Luke May mm-hmm. back when he was a reserve player hit a big shot because he'd been out on the floor. He'd been in the situation. You know, I, I want to see Hubert Davis expand that bench a little bit and see what it, what
0: he's got in some of these other players. Tar Heels have plenty of time, but there are some other measuring stick games coming up that uh, if they don't win or they look just An- as much a struggle. Another difficult situation on Sunday It's, it's going to get fans to freak out some more. Yeah, they got Virginia Tech on Sunday. Then they got Georgia the Tech and Citadel. But then that's followed up with Ohio State and Michigan. So – you know, De- December's got some tests. December's got some some measuring sticks to see where Hubert Davis has this squad. I thought last night for Duke was one of those where are you for John, Sh- John Shire's first season as Duke head basketball coach. Context matters here, too. They've had some injuries to their key freshmen. Uh, John Shire even mentioned it last night. It was good to have his guys, and now it's a matter of staying healthy getting into what they want to be, what their identity is. Defense is going to be first. John Shire actually talked about that last night and how locking down defense is the first thing. I'm sorry, this is from Jeremy Roach, I should say. Uh, Jeremy Roach, who's not one of the young guys, relatively speaking, on how locking down defense is the first thing they want to do. We saw it really with the big men last night as well.
1: Uh, just being locked in on the defense end because if we can't score, the other team can't score. I mean, we, I mean, I know we'll get, we'll find our offense somehow, but we want our we want our defense to translate to off or to lead us, lead us to offense. Um, I think that kind of that works together. Uh, worked that- together tonight.
0: One thing I'll say about and this is what happens with the transfer portal, right? You know, a lot of fascination with Pete Nance coming over to North Carolina. What that means going forward, I think with Duke and the way they had been building to Mike Shishovsky the last couple of years, it's interesting to see that. D- two of duke's more important players might be guys that they brought over from the big 10 Grandison and uh, ryan young young look filipowski i think it was filipowski and lively ended up with four fouls at one point late in the game and that put ryan young into extended minutes and put him in zubek mode it's really what it is yeah. let's let's put the big guy back there to get a little uh, physical with it make the make the make the consistent rebounds and pay it paid off I mean, it, it paid off, because I remember I saw a lot of people going, oh, man, Young's going to get eaten alive by Key. You know, this is what's going to happen. No, stood his ground, man. Like, I was impressed with what Ryan Young was able to do. I mean, you might get into stereotypes with that, but again, I liked what I saw last night at a Duke. As Jilio likes to point out, is this one of these breathe fire Duke squads? No, no, but you don't always have to be. Nope. you don't always, you always have to always run your be. own race. I've heard that before. <laughs> I've heard that before. A lot of verve. A lot of verve in that quote. So we, we spent a good chunk of time talking about the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Duke with the win last night at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Still a work in progress. Carolina, they were not supposed to be a work in progress, but they're clearly back to the drawing board after three straight losses, uh, even with all the context that you can add to last night's loss at Indiana. But I went to Cameron Indoor Stadium last night to watch the Ohio State game, Julio, and I saw a dude wearing an NC State hoodie. I guess that was the only representation that NC State had during the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Yeah, they were the designated survivor this year. So they played William and Mary. And I feel like in the ACC, we kind of have an idea of who the top teams are going to be. I think you and I are in agreement that Virginia is going to win the regular season. We know that Carolina likely is going to turn things around. Duke is clearly talented. We know what the bottom of the league is going to look like. Syracuse ain't good. Florida State ain't good. You're you're shaming Louisville right now. Yeah, yeah. They're, They're like, hey, now wait a second. If we're going to talk about the worst don't, teams, don't you got to start us. with us, please. Don't forget about us. Although I feel like with Louisville and Kenny Payne, that was kind of a called shot. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected Syracuse to be as bad as they've been so far this season. But somewhere in the middle, in the unknown, we don't know squat about them. Is the is the team that I that we just talked about the designated survivor, NC State? I don't know, man. I mean, they got they played Kansas well. They got a good win uh, against Dayton. Uh, William and Mary. I know you you pointed out the fun fact about William and Mary beating NC State the day that Mark Godfrey gets his contract extension announced. 2017 opener. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopsies. I really don't know what to make of this state squad. I don't think anybody knows what to make of this state squad so far. They haven't. They're not terrible, obviously, like the teams that we just mentioned. But there they are, an unknown. Yeah, I, you know
1: what? I think they've been a pleasant surprise. I think Jarkel Joiner, the the senior, older point guard that they got from Ole Miss in the transfer portal. Shout out to Levi Watkins. And then that, that's number one is giving them a steadying hand. You know, last year, you know, Cam Hayes struggled at the point guard position. The year before, they struggled. They had younger guards. And, really, I think that's a major difference between this team. The other one is Casey Morsell. You know, if if he's going to make three-pointers the way that he did against William & Mary, and, you know, he made six, and he's also had made six against FIU earlier this year. You know, when he transferred from Virginia, it was, here's a top, you know, 75 recruit, athletic kid, obviously can play defense but wants to do more on offense. And he averaged four points a game. At Virginia. Like he was supposed to be the next in line with Ty Jerome and, and Kyle Guy. It didn't yeah. work out that way. And then last year, when he got to state, it was, well, you'll see. He's in a different system. It, it, he's going to be better. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be somebody who can average, you know, 12, 14, 15 points a game. He averaged seven and he really, really struggled. So it's nice to see his progress early this season. He's averaging 15 points a game this year. So what they thought Casey Morsell could be last mm-hmm. year, he is being this year. You stack that with Jarkel Joyner. You stack that with Terquavion Smith, who's shown a willingness this year to share the ball that we just didn't see at all last year. And, you know, I think NC State does have an NCAA tournament team if Casey Morsell stays on that track.
0: So they've got uh, Pitt on Friday night. They do. At home. And that's followed up by another non-conference game. And then they got Miami. So they haven't – they're not diving into conference-conference play just yet. But they are winnable games against Pitt, winnable game against Miami. Uh, certainly louisville as we mentioned earlier is the worst team in the acc they should knock that out and then they'll close out the year with uh with the real test again clemson always plays them tough we know that brad Brownell can slow things down make it ugly and come out of there with some wins as we've seen and then they got duke uh on january 4th so we'll we'll start finding out more about the Tennessee state squad as we get early acc play starting up this weekend if you missed anything from today's show, you can check it out on The Best of the OG Podcast. Find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast, And you can also check us out on YouTube. Just look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. You can watch a lot of these segments. Uh, fun conversations today with Ryan McGee, ESPN, about the college football playoff expansion. Marquise Williams, former North Carolina quarterback, about 2015. What this squad is all about heading into the championship game, where we will be starting tomorrow. Uh, we'll be outside in the Fan Fest. It's built by Mungo Homes. Drop by, say hello. We'll be there from 3 until 7. On Friday, we will be there from 10 until 2. On Saturday, you got Culture State from 10 until noon. Jillio and I will be there from noon until 2. And then we got plenty of conference championship football on 99 9. The fan actually starting tomorrow night with the Pac 12 championship game. Uh, the Pac 12 championship game has some interest in it because, hey, Southern Cal, don't lose and create a situation, which is entirely possible against Utah, but don't lose and create a scenario where a team like Ohio State can sneak back into this thing by doing absolutely nothing. Utah already beat them this year. Which gets us to the news of the day. College football playoff is going to expand sooner rather than later. And I do feel like this upcoming weekend crystallizes why the college football playoff had to expand one way or the other. We have conference championship games, including the North Carolina-Clemson one, which matters clearly for Carolina and Clemson, you know, for varying reasons. But there's no college football playoff implications, and therefore it's not really getting a lot of discussion right now. And I just brought up the scenario of Southern Cal losing to Utah, what that means for a team that didn't do squat, backing into the yeah. college football playoff in the four spot. That could be Ohio State. With the expanded college football playoffs, we're not – worrying about the scenario we know that ohio state's in the college football playoff they've just lost seating it's, yeah. it's gone from oh you could have had a first round buy as a conference champion now that it's entirely possible that you could be hosting a home game to start things off so to me the college football play i know there are naysayers out there but i've never bought those arguments it's only going to create more interest And it could create scenarios where, oh, my goodness, there could be upsets that we will absolutely freak out about. And who knows? It might cost the jobs of some coaches. Because can you imagine? Can you imagine a 12 seed beating one of these teams? Anyway.